1: Welcome to the roto Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, October 28th. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Chris Liss. As always, we are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you, Yahoo, for your sponsorship. Chris, uh, week eight almost in the books, except for tonight's scintillating contest between the Steelers and the Dolphins. Uh, good week for you. It uh, looks like uh, both on staff picks uh, and fantasy. The only thing that's not good is force the bet.
2: Yeah, force the bet is... Uh... It's unfortunate I'm gonna owe you forty bucks, but I'll take it. That's the least important of right. the uh, right. different things. You know, I, I want to do well against the spread. I want to do well in the NFFC. We'll see. I've got a couple teams. My steak league team's not doing very well, but again, you know, as as unhappy as I would be if I have to pay for steaks, I uh, I have bigger fish to fry, really.
1: Yeah, well, at least you won't be ordering fish like Schuler did at the very first steak dinner. So that there's that. Uh, we got chicken. No, you yeah, got, I thought you got weak. fish. I keep wanting to say fish. I, I'm going to go with fish, but anyways. So, it sounds worse when you order that at a steakhouse. It, uh,
2: chicken's pretty weak, though, at the steakhouse.
1: It is. It, they are both kind of weak. If you're ordering like shrimp uh, entrees as a hors d'oeuvre like you do, then that's one thing. But uh, yeah. let, let's get jump into uh, week eight. I've been doing some of the rewatches on the games. Uh, I've been, you know, of course, uh, a lot of stuff going on it wasn't a huge injury week like chase Edmonds. Okay. Well, great. He was a sub in for you for David Johnson anyhow, but he's going to be out a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. I did watch that game though. And, uh, you know, and there, there's a lot of like, could have, should have, would have in that game. Uh, you know, that Larry Fitzgerald almost had a touchdown catch, uh, to, to tie the game at 10, 10, uh, late in the second quarter. Instead, they really couldn't get a second foot down. Looked like, uh, it was almost like he probably should have gotten both feet down. Um, The Saints had a uh, drive at the end of of the second half where uh, they ran out of time. I had a a penalty on the last play of the half. They thought they had gotten out of bounds, but they hadn't. They missed a field goal. And then the second half was just a blowout. Uh, But Drew Brees looked good in this game.
2: Yeah, that would have, could have, should have stuff. I mean, I do it too. But unless it's just like the most egregious kind of stuff, I try not to dwell on it too much because you just get – you can really just go down that rabbit hole and, and not come sure. out. You know, like where you're like, There
1: were some huge no plays game. in this game though. Yeah. They also yeah, had no a games. fourth and one on their own thirty that they Arizona did that they didn't convert and they just ran it up the middle. I mean, it's just stuff like that. You're like first of all, you're Arizona. You don't that's not what you do. And you don't do it against the Saints. I mean, it's just it was like some dumb stuff. Now, I don't know if that's coaching acumen or if it's just, you know, it's just the way it happened, but we saw a lot of this happen this weekend.
2: Yeah, but I just think you can drive yourself crazy because there's just so many drops, like a drop on you know key third sure. down or penalties that are not called. Like the the Browns are driving against New England and they just wouldn't call pass interferences. The Giants there was definitely some interference they didn't call it, and nobody wants to challenge it anymore because you just end up uh, wasting the challenge uh, because nobody they never get up they never get overturned. So. That was a theme I noticed that. Uh, that yeah, they, don't, they just don't want to do it, you know, because it's it's like they already got burned by it and they don't want to waste a timeout. And usually the team that wants to do it is down. So it's like, okay, now I need my timeouts even more, but bottom line, like, you know, there's some times where you say what it could have shoulda, and you're like, this is really just a game of inches and could have gone either way. But remember everything that happens after a certain point would have been different. So you can't be like, well, right. they lost by three, but they missed this field goal in the second quarter. Well, yeah, they did. But, the whole game would have been different and maybe the other team would have been more aggressive if they weren't up at the end of the game. And you know, it's just impossible to put the pieces back together. I will sometimes do it when like Vinatieri missed like three field, two field goals, an extra point, and they lose an overtime to the chargers. And I'm like, well, that was seven points that he just, you know, left and the, the game went to overtime, but even then the game would have been different. So, you know, I mean, you can look at like net yards per play or total yards for each team or whatever, but in the end, you know, the, the score is the score. And I don't know. I, I guess there's extreme situations where going down the wood it could have should it really does shed light, and you're like, oh yeah, this team's not better. They actually were should have been beat, but for these three things. But most of the time, it's kind of like
1: you're more likely to distort things by going down that path. Yeah, Um, it, it is. I, you're right. It is. I think it's like. It's got to be like the Monday night Seattle uh, Green Bay with the replacement ref sort of thing to ha- do the woulda coulda thing for real, but just some interesting, you know, big hinge points. I think uh, you know it's just and a lot of it's time is just dumb coaching decisions too. You know, running the fake uh, fake field goal by Tennessee with your punter and you know him getting lit right. up. And then that That touchdown getting called off uh, on the same play because of you know an you know not an inadvertent whistle an incorrect whistle Uh, just stuff like that just now granted but Jameis was terrible in this game his receivers were terrible in this game the play calling on fourth and one was terrible
2: every two weeks I go back and forth. I'm like, I drafted Godwin and Evans in my best NFFC league. Yeah. And I could have got Winston in the 12th, but I got Alexander Madison who I haven't used yet. Right. But he seems like a pretty handy guy to have if anything happens to cook. And I took him in the 12th and Winston didn't come back. So I ended up with, uh, Trubisky in the 13th, but then I got Brady in the 18th who I've used basically every game. So I'm like, At first I was like, oh, maybe I should have got Winston. And then I was like, no, thank God I didn't get Winston. Brady's way better. Then I was like, ooh, maybe I should have got Winston. Like after that Rams game, I was like, then I'd have the stack. And now I'm like, no, I'm glad I didn't get Winston. Just got the receivers. And it's just so funny. I keep going back and forth on what the right way to play. That was like, if you're in a a big contest with an overall, you want to stack usually. But in this case, you actually don't. You just want Evans and Godwin and you want to figure out your quarterback
1: separately from, you, you don't want Winston's four turnovers a game dragging you down. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, especially like in the NFFC where you get punished for those turnovers too. I mean, that, that kind of sucks. I mean, yeah, you, know, you get the negative points. It happened with me with Nick Chubb. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, one hundred thirty yards, got a catch. Oh no, two fumbles. At least I didn't get the negative six points for getting returned for a touchdown on that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that is kind of a pain. And of course, in real life too, when you like Tampa's got a tough decision to make. You know, I think Tennessee's kind of decided with Mariota. I don't think Tampa's decided yet what they're going to do. Yeah. What a bust
2: that those first two picks. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were probably so happy to get those guys when they had the first and second overall picks. And this is what ha- this is also, you know, this goes back to our argument that QB is like, oh, the Giants. Right. It's crazy to pass on Darnold at three. It's not just that you get the guy. This is five years later. They still have the guy. It's not like, oh, well, it's great. You know, you get one of the top quarterbacks of the class, and hopefully he becomes the franchise quarterback. But, well, it's hard to get rid of that guy. If, if he's not you know, full blown Gabbert, and you, you're not really sure, and obviously Mariota and Winston got off to way better starts than Gabbert, you're stuck for years with those guys. They're still stuck with these guys. And that ruins any chance your franchise has of taking the next step. I mean, imagine – if the bucks this year, whose defense has been better had Gardner Minshew, if they've been able to kick Winston to the curb, even if they had last year's Fitzpatrick, this team might be, you know, a playoff contender with just, just, just a as quarterback, but they don't have just a guy. They have the most turnover -prone, uh, prone quarterback in recent memory and it's, it's killing them. And Mariota, same thing. The Titans have had a good defense and running game
1: for a while. And now Tannehill is the best they've got. And it's actually an upgrade. Yeah. And it makes you also wonder, Tannehill, you see Schaub throwing for 460 yesterday. Another illustration of a guy that, you know, you know, was expected to be, you know, had, another team was stuck with him for a long time. And but it does make you, you know, just think about the context, though, of when to draft that franchise quarterback. You know, it was a big controversy for the Browns to pass on Carson Wentz, to pass on uh, Deshaun Watson, both. Good quarterbacks, especially in the case of Watson. I, I'm convinced I'm more convinced and on Watson than Wentz,
2: Wentz. I think the Wentz, Wentz is the real deal also. I, I think I, he I really, is I, too. But,
1: but I, I think you, either of those guys would have been great and Mayfield. But um, would they have been great with the Browns? That's what I want to know. Would the, with, at the time that uh-huh. they were drafted, I, I really think ordering matters. And that's why like your guy, Danny Dimes, like if he was drafted a year earlier on that dumpster fire offensive line, maybe he would stagnate. He may, he might've been beaten a submission and stagnated quite a bit. I, I really do think that that's like the line, the line was okay in the second half last year.
2: And it's been bad at times this year too. I, I, yeah. I think sure. I think if he was drafted by, you know, McAdoo or something like that, that could have been right. a real problem for him, but the Shermer offense is decent. Um, and the line is just mediocre both years, but it's good enough. But yeah, I mean, the thing is you don't want to, it's like, if you look at the Colts getting Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard last year, that's a plus. They lost Andrew Luck and they're in first place right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how good that draft class was. That that changed the the direction of the franchise. So did hiring Frank Reich. But, I mean, get a great offensive lineman. Get a ridiculous, unstoppable Nick Bosa. Look at the Niners this year. It's not just because of Bosa, but I mean, the that guy's a massive sick. difference maker. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just like, that's way better than getting a quarterback, you know, unless you get Russell Wilson, unless you get Aaron Rodgers, unless you get Pat Mahomes or Watson, then it's better to get the quarterback. But if you're not in that class, you better get Nick Bosa. You better get Quentin
1: Nelson. Those are the difference makers. Yeah. And by the way, you can miss on those guys, those, those positions too. You know, uh, Tony Mandrich going back in the day uh, is like the preeminent offensive line. Miss example, Yeah. But
2: what happens when you miss Robert gallery is another one. Yeah. What happens when you miss with Robert gallery or Mandarich? So you have like, you you know, obviously you have the opportunity cost of a really high pick, which sucks. But next year, you're not like your team's going to suck next year because you're stuck with Mandarich. First of all, even if you are stuck with him, you know, unless he's Eric flowers, (laughs) who the Giants took in the first round and was a turnstile. If he's just like a mediocre average, you know, B C plus B minus offensive lineman, it's not really affecting your team negatively. The opportunity cost obviously is bad. You, you could have got someone good, but he's not actively hurting your team. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's playing offensive line. When your quarterback is Winston or Mariota and you don't replace them for five years, you're done. Your ceiling is capped. You're not going anywhere. You're not making the playoffs. And if you did make the playoffs by some miracle, you're losing in the first round. You're going nowhere. And that's five, that's half a decade is wasted. All your other draft picks, even if they're good, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those are good picks, totally wasted because of Winston and Mariota. So not only do you lose the opportunity cost of getting someone good, you actually drag down the entire franchise for up to half a decade. And that is so much worse than missing on a, on a guard or a, or a defensive lineman.
1: I think so. I think you're right, especially because you can only play one at a time and you can you know, only have – Two or max three on your roster at a time too. Uh, it's harder to have someone in relief, have someone ready for to back them up too. Uh, I, you know, looking at Kyler Murray, I, I don't think he looked very good against the Saints, and I know you weren't that impressed with how he looked against the Giants, even though they won the game. They had a three-game winning streak. You know, first of all, they they beat some bad teams, Bengals, the Giants. Uh, I'm forgetting one. Of, uh, uh, oh, the Falcons in that streak. He looked good against the Falcons. I'll I'll say I I'll can see that, but I, I saw a lot of like he panicked kind of early and th- had some bad throws. He called for grounding on this one play where he didn't even get hit. He he might have gotten close to getting hit, but uh, I don't know. It just uh, to me he got a little happy feet, and I wonder if that's you know because he's trained to do that because the 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 Cardinals don't want him getting hurt. They don't want him getting hit that often. Or maybe it's just that this sieve-like offensive line is causing him to try to get rid of it quicker, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you were – I mean, if you could take one QB from this class, who would you take? Dan, well, it's not going to be Haskins.
1: No. Uh, you mean the guy that they only trusted to throw five passes an entire half? I mean, how bad was that, by the way? We didn't even truly really talk about the Thursday night game yet, but – yeah. I mean, he's not ready, but at the same time, how is he going to get ready? If he's throwing five passes and a half,
2: but how can you get ready? If you're getting destroyed and throwing interest, I mean, he just threw a ball like 10 feet over. Yeah. Know, Terry McLaurin's head. he was wide open and it was a pick and thank God that they only let him throw five passes in the half so that the Redskins covered. Cause I was desperate at the time. It was my first cover of the week. I was like, Ooh, finally got a Thursday game. I'm not going in. 0 and one. And I was obviously very nervous when, when Haskins showed up at the start of the half, I'm like, Oh, uh Oh, this is a problem. They're doing great. And now it's all going to fall apart. I,
1: I, all but, I know is as a Terry McLaurin owner, I was very unhappy to see that.
2: Oh, terrible. It was like, yeah, okay. That's a waste of a start. I have him like four leagues, but now the Keenum is, is named the starter again. And you have to, I mean, it doesn't do anyone good to be terrible and be embarrassed, but I just Haskins, you know, Pianowski said you know, on Twitter, I agree that he's just got the most deer in the headlights. Look of any rookie QB I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So I think he's in trouble. I mean it's Murray or Jones really. So who's I mean I think I'd take Daniel Jones. I'm biased obviously, but I just think he looks better. He looks he looks a little better. He does bit better. look I mean, better
1: right now. There, there's no doubt about it. He he does look Murray, better. Murray has a skill set
2: that, you know, few guys. Have. I mean Jones looks like sort of the ideal I mean this is obviously going to be a company that you you hope that he's in, but Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. He he's accurate He throws, you know, he throws the ball all over the place, goes through his progressions. And when he's, when the protection breaks down, he can run. He's not Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, but he's mobile like luck Rogers, Mahomes. He's that mobile. Obviously he's never going to be as good as those guys, but he's mobile enough. And I think in this day and age, you really want a mobile QB. You got to be so good as a pocket passer to survive with no mobility. You got to be reading the defense like, you know, Drew Brees, Brady, you got to be really top of your game in, in terms of understanding what's going on. And, and both Brady and breeze have good pocket awareness, even though they don't scramble. Um, that's like the, you know, the, the bar is very high for a non-mobile QB these days. So you want to at least that, you know, Daniel Jones Rogers mobility minimum. And if you have Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, I mean, Lamar Jackson's even a different category. He's in his own category. Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson are just in a separate category. And then Russell Wilson and, and Kyler Murray and, some of the more mobile, you know, other QBs, Donovan McNabb, you can think of a few, Steve Young will be in that category, right? But then there's the whole separate category for the, just the, you know, Lamar Jackson is not one of the, just the top five scrambling QBs. He's one of the top five running players in the NFL.
1: Right. That's right. Haskins reminds me of Mitch Trubisky and, you know, only a starter for one year, uh, not ready. Just doesn't look ready, you know, and but the Trubisky's bear- better. Trubisky's better. Trubisky can scramble. Trubisky's
2: yeah, uh, you know, I, I put him, he's even a better scrambler than like, you know, the Rogers Jones luck level. I think Trubisky's a really good scrambler. He's like Russell Wilson level almost.
1: Yeah, I will uh, say this scram- going back to environments. Um, Haskins is stepping into a terrible environment. Uh, horrible. Horrible offensive yeah, line, but- one playmaker wide receiver. Uh the top two tight ends are concussed, top running backs out, although he might be coming back soon. And this is just a really bad situation. situation.
2: uh, The uh, left tackle is not on the team.
1: Right. Because he chooses not to be. Yes.
2: Right. The the team's reviled by everybody and the owners hated. They fired the coach who's probably the only decent person in the organization. Right. And they bring an
1: interim coach who says he wants to bring the offense back to the Mesozoic era. Wants to run the ball 400 times a game if he could. Right. Although Adrian Peterson, by the way, that's what a revenge game
2: looks like. Yeah. He had, uh, ankle sprain in two places. And that guy was running like, uh, what's his name? Charles Jefferson in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was crushing. He was? He was a
1: monster. I, I was actually cool to watch. I was like, wow, Peterson is, is getting out. It was my... almost Steve Smith esque. He didn't score. So that's why you have to kind of draw the line. But Steve yeah. Smith is still the ultimate revenge game guy. Yeah. There's so much yeah, animus, so much hate, and a huge game, too. So. Hate is an underrated force in this
2: world, Jeff. Hate can keep you young. Keeps it, it ages you and yet it keeps you young. There's people who are still alive at 85 only cuz they're so enraged. They just drop dead if they weren't so enraged. That's how I'm going to got to ask something. I'm that's... like 90. The rage is going to keep me alive. You know, it's like a zombie. It's it's like
1: twenty eight days later, one of those zombies. I I kind of believe that. Yeah, I could see that happening. All right, the NFL season That's is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right, Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will with, will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over eighteen and a United States citizen. There's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo! Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. Chris, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, I brought up the Bears. Uh, Let's talk about this game with the Chargers. Uh, A couple of things that takeaways for one, they finally gave uh, David Montgomery the workload that everyone expected him to get from the get-go. He had that one big run, good cumulative yardage, got the touchdown. It looks good. He falls forward when he gets hit, he gets that extra yard every time. The problem is he's getting hit early a lot still too. I mean, he had that big run, but it was like 26 for 65, I think for the other, you know, the other carries. I mean, there, there's a lot of three yard carries in there. Well, they don't
2: fear the passing game. Right. So they're going to stack the box. The offensive line's not that great. So he's got a couple things going against him. He's also not that fast. He's tough. He's more like Chris Carson. I think that was who Mario Puig compared him to. Mm-hmm. So I think people, I think Morrow made a good point. You know, people look at someone like Montgomery or Carson and it's like, yeah, this is football. He's crushing people. He's running them over. He's trucking people. People love that. And they get excited about the guy. And the guy's good, but you know, there's other play, there's other styles where you actually have less contact and you are more elusive and can get further after the catch or after contact because you're really fast and quick. So yeah, it's a good style. It's a good back. It's not the ideal situation. Maybe if they feed him more, he can punish the defense more and sort of get feel the, you know, kind of soften it up a bit. But um, it's just, yeah, it's not, a, it's not as bad as Joe mixon's situation, but even someone as good as Mixon is total garbage in a bad situation. So I wouldn't get too excited about uh,
1: about Montgomery, especially because the charges are kind of soft this year, too. Yeah, Mario made a great point about Carson, especially vis-a-vis uh, Penny, uh, that it's the optics. You know, Carson looks great when he runs over people. But A, you know, it doesn't mean he's necessarily more you know, a more efficient back. But B, it leads to fumbling. It leads to injuries. You know, it, it's not long. It, it It's usually harder to last long being that type of running back. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think of Marion the barbarian
2: on the Cowboys. He was a beast, man. He just ran people over and he was nasty. He would look for, you know, he would like be running and the DB would be coming and he'd be like trying to hit the DB. He wouldn't be avoiding him, but he had a very short career. And, uh, you know, the only guy who survived doing that, I mean, Adrian Peterson ran a little bit like that and survived a long time. He's still going, still at it. Marshawn Lynch was a little bit like that. There's a couple guys, but it's
1: not an easy style to sustain. No, it certainly isn't uh, going to be interesting to see how the Seahawks uh, approach the bucks. The bucks really are pretty good at shutting down the run. Derrick Henry had some good runs in that game. He also got stuffed a lot too. Uh, made for kind of a turgid offense for uh, the Titans. If they don't get those two short drives to start the game. I mean, I don't think they have much of a chance in that one, but Jameis gives those chances and it wasn't all Jameis too. I mean, there's the offensive line. I mean, he, he gets, pre- he was pressured a lot in that game, but, I don't think they can run it 30 times against the Bucks. I don't think that's the way to beat them. Yeah, they're tough to run on. Uh, I, I think
2: Seattle adapts. I mean, they're, people crap on them because they're run-oriented. But I, I, don't, like, I don't really think their their uh, scheme was bad last year. People like, Russell Wilson's so good. Mm. Yet they were the run-heaviest team in the league or one of them last year. But they made the playoffs last year, and their defense wasn't that good either. So you made the playoffs with a mediocre defense, and Russell Wilson stayed healthy all year. Sure, it's really terrible to run. Maybe they could run a little less, and this year they are running less. Wilson's
1: putting up uh, monster fantasy stats, but so I get you know. your point, and yeah. I think there's some validity to it. Um, my my problem though is like, for instance, the playoff game against the Cowboys. I think they went eight straight uh, drives where they start off run up the middle, run up the middle, and they get third and long, and then they're forced to pass, and I. I, I think that in and of itself, lots of runs aren't necessarily bad. And, I, get your, and I, I actually do agree with like ball control when you have a bad defense, protect yourself a little bit more, especially if you're effective running the ball. If you can get a couple first downs in there. I think that's, a, that's an important part of that, too. You actually have to be able to convert a few times. Uh, against the Cowboys, they got super predictable. And it was only when they unleashed Wilson late that they even made a comeback in that game. And that's where I think the critiques of Schottenheimer came in. Um, I, I think there's, it wasn't all analytical. It was it was also just it was some it was some some of it was the result. Some of it was, you know, just you know watching them play and seeing how they could have been more. And especially because, I mean, Wilson's so good.
2: Yeah, I mean, he only had four hundred twenty seven attempts in sixteen games, which was so it was the lowest in the league last year. This year he's got 250. He's on pace for 500. Yeah. Which is still below average or average to below average, but it's not, you know, 427. That's right. way down there. It's a better he's balance. With, you know, yeah. He's got 17 TDs, one pick this year, eight and a half yards per attempt. He's, he's just been a monster. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to defend all of it. I'm just saying that, like, to me, I, I even think you can, it's, you run the ball, you have a quarterback that can convert a lot of third downs. You beat up the defense, you keep their defense on the field, you keep your defense fresh, your defense plays better than it should. Remember that year DeMarco Murray went crazy for the Cowboys. Right. Their defense went from total garbage to really good. I think it was the first year they got they drafted those offensive linemen like Tyron Smith. Mm-hmm. And it basically saved their defense. It was like, oh, they the defense is connected to the offense. They're not two independent units as you might be led to believe. Like the defense is on the field too long and you see it all the time. You're like, uh oh. They're holding now they're bending, they're bending and they're going to break pretty soon because they're just getting worn down. So I think it does matter. I think what they should do is not run on first and 10, second and eight, second and seven, whatever, if they're good second and six, but throw on first and 10, then run second and five, right. Third to, you know, r- run. I-, I love like third and six running and then, you know, but intending to go four downs and throwing on and second and, and one for four yards. Yeah. Yeah. I hate second and one runs, but on a third and six, I love a run that gets four yards because you know, you're going on fourth. Yeah. Fourth and two is way better than fourth and six. So, you know, if you're, if you're even over your own 40 and it's third and six, a running plays great. You got two, you got two chances to get three yards per carry to get a first down. That's right. But most teams don't you know think that way. Uh, but I, I just think it would be better. Even if you only run, even if you only pass 40% of the time, which is super low by NFL standards, most teams pass more than half it'd be way better if it was unpredictable. If you just didn't know what down it was coming, not first second and that's third and six and they know you're throwing, you know, imagine uh, shaking it up that way. So yeah, Seattle's not, um, splitting the atom and they're probably doing some things that are, um, not good given their personnel. But I think, I think the sort of, I don't want to call it analytics. Analytics is just using data to make decisions, which everybody's doing even at the most basic level. But the, uh, I don't, I don't know really what to call them, but sort of like just the, my spreadsheet. You know, my formula says this crowd. Um, I think they're oversimplifying
1: some of what's going on in Seattle. I, I think they yeah. I think you're right about that. And I think there's some analytics on Twitter that you know, proprietors of analytics on Twitter that are sharper than others. So it's the use of them. And probably many that are sharper than me, uh, and maybe even you, I don't know. We'll
2: see. And the Seahawks, I know Russell Wilson is
1: amazing. Okay. But the
2: Seahawks, have been a playoff team like every year, pretty much. And they've lost their entire defense, which they couldn't pay. And Russell Wilson is now getting paid top dollar for a QB. So he's not cheap anymore. And they're still winning. Now, part of that, just because Wilson, even at top dollar is so good. Right. But part of it is because Chris Carson is really good. They got him for nothing. And, he's a good running back and they're, and they're run blocking well and they're beating up on teams. And I think they're getting more mileage out of their defense than they should. So it's again, like I, I think people really oversimplify it. I mean, Oh, you, you you know, okay, let's just pass 70% of the time. See what happens in Seattle. Maybe it would go well. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe they'd be in a lot of shootouts. Maybe they'd be like one of those teams that, you know, scores a lot of points and loses and gives up a lot of points.
1: Yeah, it could be, could very well be. Um, Yeah. So uh, yeah. And we, we've seen like with Atlanta, that's not working for them. You know, they're not, they're not getting the requisite number of points. They throw for 460 and, and yards and they still get what? 17 points. Well,
2: yeah, they're not efficient. I mean, they don't, you know, Matt Ryan had like 7.5 YPA. Russell Wilson has 8.5. If Russell Wilson threw it that much more, would he be as efficient? I don't know. He'd 20 points more I efficient than Matt Ryan. Yeah. But you know, the,
1: the volume goes up. The efficiency usually goes down. Yeah, yeah, uh, and let you know again that that was another would have, could have, should have game. Bryant's missing field goals. They're bringing in two people to compete with him, including Young Ho, which I I knew you're you're pretty happy to see that he's still love, getting another I love, chance. I hope that guy stays around for a long time. Young Ho always get chances, but uh, uh, you know it, it's you, know, you look at that that they had the Devonta Freeman fumble that what you know many people thought was going to get overturned but didn't. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, you know, that, that was, that, that was one where I thought that Seattle kind of let their foot off the gas a little too soon. Uh, I thought that that was going to be one of those incredible, uh, backdoor covers, kind of like the, uh, Bengals and Rams was almost a backdoor cover. The uh, Cardinals and saints almost was a backdoor cover. Uh, if they convert a, a, a fourth down, you know, then and turn it into a score later, that could have been a backdoor cover because it was fourth quarter and the other team is not going to try to put more a points on cover. Yep. Yep. Giants though. You, you, I want, that's one thing you reminded me of uh, when we were talking about the past interferences uh, and how they're getting challenged less off, less often. What happened there on that one uh, PI in the end zone? Like I kind of turned away for a second. I was like, okay, Giants are going to have first and goal. They just rule it uncatchable or how? Uh, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why they picked up the flag. They
2: were like two, there was like, there should have been a flag before. And then they threw a flag I was like, okay, this is the makeup one. And then they just picked it up and I wasn't really exactly sure what happened. I was like toggling back and forth. I was like, wait, what?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think
2: they they scored to the next drive or that I can't remember, but that game's next on bad. my
1: rewatch list, so I'll I'll see if I and can, can uh, figure out exactly what that, happened. But, but it
2: was it's just, you know the thing is, and it's annoying because I'll be like, that's a flag. What are you talking about? You know, he's so early, obviously a flag. And then I'm like, well, why am I rooting for a flag? Like, I don't like flags. But I'm like, well, it's part of the game. Like they call it. They're supposed to call that. I don't know. It's just, it's got you know. I don't, I don't want to go down
1: this road again, but it's it's frustrating. Yeah, it it, it absolutely is. Uh, and then you know the Colts actually did successfully challenge. They, I mean, it was an obvious pass interference. He, yes, uh, the defender grabbed T. Y. Hilton, like literally held him. Uh, it's like yeah, okay, that's a foul. You gotta gotta call that. Uh, but. You know, it was weird um, that, you know, every broadcast was making a point of the ratio of overturns, too, and how they weren't being overturned that much. I almost feel like there's a directive to broadcasters sometimes, not just to the officials like, hey, we're not overturning these anymore. And we're trying to encourage coaches not to challenge them unless it's really egregious. I do feel like the coaches for a few weeks thought it was like this shiny new toy that we had to use. Uh, Ooh, we get a challenge pass interference now. Got to do that. Well, no, the crazy one is when it's,
2: you know, not when it's called, but when it's not called and you're looking for it, you know, like, yeah. okay, like, like, okay, any pass play, you may as well throw it and see if you get lucky because there's always contact and mm-hmm. anything can be called. I think the NFL, and this is not good either, is it's basically like a veto of a play. Like I think they wanted to veto the Saints game and say, wait a second, no, 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 the Saints got that. They're going to win. We're going to veto this. Right. And I think that it's a veto, which is really dangerous because it's kind of like it's just kind of like in a fantasy league, a commission has a veto over a trade. As soon as you invoke that, it's like every trade gets reviewed now. Yeah. You know, like, oh, now, yeah. You know and, and so then it's like, okay, well, we, we don't ever want to use the veto, but it's there just in case. And then it's like, well, I don't. And then the commission is like, well, I don't veto anything because, you know, I don't want to veto because, you know, everyone's allowed to trade. And then well, why do you even have the veto if you're never going to use it? Right. So it's sort of like I have it just in case there's something that's just so beyond the pale that I have to fix it. But now they don't want to use this awesome power that they have. I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's just better if they didn't have it. You know, it's just bad. They just don't open the door unless you're committed to it and all the unintended consequences
1: that go with it. That's right. That's right. Already knocked out of your survivor pool. Did you end up losing early in the season? Feeling like your success is mostly based on luck Wish there were some alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that our players familiar, players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your knowledge, fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to, and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round and achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. I'm guessing, uh, and I I didn't get a chance to see the line, but I'm guessing if you use Christian McCaffrey, you still advance despite the Panthers having a terrible day. And he just, he's almost... He's not quite, but he's almost mashup proof, Chris. I mean, I think the only, the only game he, that he didn't do anything of note was the first game against the Bucks. But, you know, he, he's surviving and thriving in some, some of the worst games. Yeah, no, he's
2: got, you know, backup QB. He's got uh, – it's not really a, a great situation. He's just – it's really easy to score fantasy points if you're a skilled all-purpose back. Yeah, can catch passes and run between the tackles and you're carrying a heavy workload and you're quick. You make people miss and you know, he's not going to break as many tackles as Chris Carson, but he can break tackles. He's, he's pretty
1: strong. Uh, he's, he's really good. And it's, you know, obviously remember when he's he a could, couple guys like that. Remember when he wasn't big enough to handle goal line carries. And so that, you know, it was a big drag in his value, Yeah, those were good times. Yeah.
2: Well, even last year and I get into a lot of debates about this on Twitter you know I didn't like him and I was totally wrong but for the first 7 weeks he had one touchdown and Cam Newton was getting all the goal line carries and he was still catching a ton of passes he broke the record but he was you know not on pace for barely on pace for 200 carries then Cam got hurt and they said okay screw it we're going to give McCaffrey you know CJ Anderson they got rid of him and they gave McCaffrey the goal line carries and he scored like eight rushing t- you know seven rushing touchdowns in the second half or something six or seven and then he caught like six receiving touchdowns which he was going to get anyway. And he got 110 catches and he was he was just just behind Saquon in in uh PPR points although he was ahead of Saquon If you took out week 17 cuz Barkley had a big week 17. Mm-hmm. So he was the best, you know, most valuable fantasy player uh last year and he was going late, you know, late first even in the second before and he started moving up toward the end. But this year is a whole different story. This isn't have anything to do with that. This year He's on pace for 300 plus carries. He's still going to get his hundred catches. He's got all the goal line carries from the beginning. You know, he could have 20 touchdowns. He could have hundred catches, 20 touchdowns and 300 carries. And that I think maybe LaDainian Tomlinson did that. I'm not even sure. Sort of the 100, the 20, 100, 300 club is, you know, it's pretty
1: exclusive. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Uh, so news out of Carolina is Kyle Allen's going to get at least another start this week. Uh they're they're taking their time bringing Cam back. I still think Cam will come back, but dude, it's week 9 already. Um it's it's kind of getting late.
2: I mean, I think he's hurt still, you know. I think they're going to make sure he's totally healthy, but it looked like a pretty serious thing, so take your time, stay in the hunt. Hopefully we get 100% Cam. I mean, in the NFL is so much better when Breeze Cam you know Rodgers is healthy this year that's made a huge difference for my enjoyment of the league. Yeah. Mahomes needs to get healthy that, you know, even with a, a gimby ankle is not good. I hope hopefully kill two birds with one stone and get healthy. It sucks that Luck retired. It's not good that Ben Roethlisberger is out. I mean these games are so much better when you have the top QBs playing. Yeah. And Cam is not, you know, he's not been a top real life QB since the, the year he won MVP but if he's completely healthy and able to make plays with his legs and throw on the move and just be the average pocket passer that he is, um, that gives Carolina a puncher's chance if they play defense. And they have playmakers, You know, three guys that can really, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Samuel are all explosive playmakers. I think if Cam is completely healthy, anything less is no good. But if he's completely healthy and the Panthers can sneak, sneak into a wild card, I mean, they're going to be a dangerous team.
1: Yeah, they would be. Uh, they, they absolutely would be. Uh, but you're right, though, about just all the uh, all, all the quarterbacks going down and how it's run. I was just thinking about that Sunday night game. How I mean, it was a good game last night. I was entertained by it, but, you know, it could have been so much better. I mean, who doesn't want to see Rodgers versus Mahomes? We all do. Uh, you know, you know, it's. Who doesn't want to see uh, Fitzpatrick versus Big Ben? Oh, wait, I can't finish that yeah. one. Uh, yeah, but, versus Mason Rudolph, yeah. yeah exactly.
2: uh, here's a th- I mean, to me, you know, there's always the guys who have the greatest careers like Brady and Peyton and Joe Montana. And everyone says, oh, who are the best players ever? Okay, well, those three guys are on everybody's short list. John Elway's, you know, I don't think Elway was as good as some people think. But, um, but if you want to, you're like, okay, well, you and I are, are drafting from the all time pool at their peak and we're betting, you know, all of our money and we got to win one game. So you just care about the one game, not career stats. I mean, to me the short list is Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. Those are the three guys that are just so dangerous. Uh, get, you know, and that that that's sort of like the to me like the, you know, well, not Brady. know Steve Young is you No know, Brady had the best career of anybody cuz he's got six working on the seventh Super Bowl, but come on, if you had one game, you'd really take Brady Look, look what happened against the Giants when the when the pocket collapsed. He got killed. You got Peak Rodgers, Peak Mahomes, Peak Steve Young. Those guys could crush a defense even if even if the uh, protection wasn't great.
1: I don't know. I think Young always had great prote- protection, but uh, you know. But
2: Steve Young was was just ridiculous.
1: Oh, he was. If ridiculous. you just look he at Steve Young lines of just no, a run a doubt. Plays alone. Yeah.
2: But anyway, those are the three guys I'd take for one game at their peak over Brady, Peyton. I mean, Peyton and Brady, Breeze, they read the defense so well, the pre-snap stuff, they avoid a lot of problems before they even occur. You don't even see why they don't get rushed and don't have to – they don't even have to scramble because they've already diagnosed it and dumped it off to the running back before it even happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll give you – I mean, I'll say this. The mobility of those three that you chose is clearly a factor that others don't have.
2: And the arm strength. I mean, you know, it just – I don't know about you. Know, I think you had a pretty good arm, but Rodgers and Mahomes, Mahomes is a cannon. Yeah. Anyway, if I'm picking, you know, a quarterback and, and, you know, we're betting 100 grand on this game and, and we, you know, we have to make it, you know, you got to pick your one QB. I'm definitely taking one of those
1: freaks. And it, we got to presume a neutral supporting cast with all these players. That's the right. thing. It's, we, it's hard, you know, it's hard to kind of pick them up we, and place them in a different, you know, in right. this scenario well, here, but...
2: It, it is funny when you say who's the greatest. Well, it's in context, right? I mean, yeah. the greatest, in under, you know, with a good offensive line, maybe Peyton's the greatest with a great offensive line. Maybe Russell Wilson's the greatest with an average offensive line.
1: I mean, it's, you know, maybe Fran Tarkenton was, except that they call They didn't call pass interference like we do now. I you don't know, well, no, but
2: he also, his, I'm just, his I'm just reversed.
1: picking a name yeah. from the past. I'm not yeah. making a case for him, but yeah, it, was, it was Kenny Anderson. Actually, Kenny Anderson but, uh, was great. I loved Kenny Anderson. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure you did.
2: No, but I'm just saying if we did a draft, I was thinking like, it'd be cool to do like a 10 man draft of all time team. You know, like you get everybody at their peak 10, 10 team draft, and you know who, what would you take first? Like I would take Lawrence Taylor first. I shouldn't tell you in case we well, ever do this. Yeah,
1: because, because I'd be surprised by you taking LT first. Come on,
2: come <laughs> on, Chris. Never seen that coming.
1: Yeah.
2: No. Wait, oh I'm boy, thinking, I, best I, QB, it might It might spoil my pick. Russell Wilson. Yeah. You probably still get Russell Wilson like with your tenth choice. Like like if you just waited on QB, you probably still get
1: Russell. Wilson. Dan Marino with your tenth choice if you want, or Elway, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah.
2: That's what I mean. There's no point. There's no point in oh, taking Brady with the first pick. That would just be dumb. You got to take Lawrence Taylor or like, you know, peak Darrell Revis or someone like, you know, you have to take like something that's scarce.
1: Yeah. Some elite offensive lineman center or something like that. Um, Who is, who is the best center of all time?
2: Yeah. I don't know. I I actually don't know, you know, Mike Webster, but I mean, Mike Webster was like two forty, I think, you know? So
1: right. How do you, how do you, uh, era adjust right for guys like that? Exactly. Would Reggie White be as amazing now as he was then i don't well, i would
2: know. definitely have reggie white on my short list you know I yeah a line for sure of like you know reggie white and lt aaron donald j.j J. watt just j.j J. watt out for the season by the way i don't think you know we talked about it i don't think it's as big a deal and it's annoying how much everyone sucks up to j.j J. watt like he's you know but he used to be like what aaron donald is now pretty much and if i were taking an all-time defensive team i wouldn't mind watt and aaron donald as
1: my defensive end yeah. yeah, that does hurt the uh, Texans quite a bit, though. I mean, he, even if he's not the J.J. Watt of your, um, he's of, of lore, I guess would be a better word. Um, what was I saying? Your or of your. Know.
2: He's yeah. basically T.J. Watt at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, it, yeah it, that's still a really good player and that hurts them a lot, especially because they traded away Clowney. Um, so, yeah, that that Texans defense Carr kind of tore him apart. You know, that, that that was one, you know, the, the Raiders are not a bad team. You you've been beating the drum on this one all year. You're right about that. Yeah, because Gruden's a good
2: coach and people just the only reason people thought Gruden was a bad coach. There's only one reason is he disrespected analytics during a press conference. He said something about it mm-hmm. that people didn't like. And then they were like, he's an idiot. He's a moron. Gettleman's a moron.
1: But Gettleman did do something very strange today. That yeah, trading. he did. He did uh, trading for Leonard Williams. Although I saw the headline as trades for Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl in defensive tackle Leonard Williams, uh, uh, guy that's having a terrible year. Though it's 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 a really interesting contrast, though. But hey, maybe a different defensive coordinator, maybe different setup, maybe he's just having a bad year. All these things uh, could I would, possibly. I would fly.
2: like it if he had even one more year on his rookie deal, and right. you know, they had him cheap next year, and. They could figure it out. It's just it's hard to. The only thing I can think of is they get to see him up close. He's not very expensive, so they might not have to sign him to an expensive deal. They could sign
1: him in season, extend him for a good price. Um, or maybe, you know they yeah. use that they 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 go through the process of franchise tagging and you know one year deals on, are never that bad, right? Yeah, but I I think the
2: franchise tags are like fifteen milers. I think it's really expensive. But yeah, for but
1: a, but it's only one year, so. Um, point being is you're not – if he is a difference maker, if he really is that good, he's worthy of the franchise tag. Who cares if it's $15 million? It's only one year. You'll work around that. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I guess like – but why not just let him be on the Jets, which are a bad team, and probably not play well enough to get franchise anyway and then just sign him on the open market to a modest deal? Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll – I mean you have to go crazy for them to franchise him. I think they'd probably be able to get him for like – I don't know. I don't really know enough about what a – former pedigree defensive lineman who hasn't lived up to it because he was kind of banged up is worth after his rookie, you know,
1: let alone old guy. the strategy. And when you use a franchise tag and when you don't, I mean, I've seen kickers yeah, that I, had franchise tags placed on them because they lock in a good kicker at, and it's because it's compared against other kickers. It's worth it. You know, I don't know. Cheap. I mean,
2: yeah. I've yeah. I
1: don't it. know enough about what they would do. It just, it's a curious
2: move. Um, but, uh, you know, Gettleman is, he mocked analytics. They hate him. He did a lot of dumb stuff like signing, uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, to monster deals in Carolina too. Yeah. Back. And was,
1: then signing Stewart great. again last before, or, you know,
2: well, it was for yeah. a million bucks, but I don't even know why he bothered, but it was, right. it was cheap, but it was, why are you? It was him
1: mockable player no. coach. Yeah, exactly.
2: But yeah, it was mockable, but the big stuff he's done, which is draft Danny Dimes instead of Haskins, who everyone told him to draft, you know, pass on Darnold for Barkley. Uh, Those things look good, and that's what's really going to
1: affect the future of the franchise. Yeah, although the the narrative on Darnold's changed in three weeks. It's pretty funny. Uh, Before we go any further, uh, your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash, all on one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help you teach it can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs. And they'll even give you $5 to invest if you join a day. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity. Investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. We are talking here after week eight. Uh, we, we've been reviewing a lot of some of the games and just some concepts in it as a whole. Uh, we haven't mentioned Philly-Buffalo much at all, either on the show or today in the, in the podcast either, Chris. Uh, weird game because of the wind conditions. A lot of people were, getting, were downgrading players before they, before they started that game. You know, in the case of, like, the Philly side of things, I mean, the running attack looked really good. Uh, this was uh, one big run for uh, Miles Sanders had a, a lot to do with that, but this was kind of a little litmus test for the Bills. Uh, they, they'd had a pretty soft schedule. They kind of failed the test yesterday.
2: Yeah. They're not that good. I, I like the Eagles this week and I keep liking the Eagles and they mostly let me down, but this week it just seemed like they were going to get the win. The Buffalo was kind of inflated and it was a bad matchup for Buffalo because they're not really, especially with the wind because you know, Philly, Philly, you know, in a game where you can't throw down field becomes a much better team because that's their weakness is right. covering receivers down the field. So you've got a team that's not a great passing team and it's windy So all you do is bludgeon them and you have a good quarterback and a good running game and good front seven. And that, that was enough. And they, you know, they took it over. So, and, and Buffalo is a good pass defense, but again, with the wind, you didn't really need as much of that. And so it uh, neutralized and I'm sure Buffalo would fare better against a, you know,
1: more of a finesse team, you know, in better conditions. Right. Um, And yeah, and so and I wouldn't even completely write off the Bills based on this bad result either. I mean, they're, they're, they're affected by that. Uh, and, and, you know, it, but it, this is something the Eagles desperately needed, too. I mean, after two really bad games in a row against the Vikings, and the yeah. Cowboys, I mean, this was kind of, you know. The Cowboys I, was really bad. The Vikings, they were down
2: 21-3 and they, 24-3, they came back 24-20 and they, they let it get away from them. But the Cowboys just got their
1: ass kicked. Yeah. And that was a, that was a bad loss. Right, you know what's what's weird this year is, and one thing I'm noticing are the schedules are less balanced uh, than I've seen in the past. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, the 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 Raiders have gone on this massive road trip. The Bucks are on a massive road trip now. You know, and the Eagles had three straight road games at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo. It just you usually don't see that. You usually see like at at most like two two weeks in a row on the road. And I wonder if, like, this is purposeful or it just happens to be, you know, happenstance because of, like, London games or, you know, any any other sort of scheduling quirk. But it just seems like, to me, that uh, there's a lot less balance with these teams. Yeah, I mean, you'd think you could, like, put in the schedule, you know,
2: put in the requirements. Each team plays its own division twice. You play one team. You play one conference once each in your conference. You play the same first second third or fourth place in your conference teams and you play one uh team you know rotating from the opposite conference each and then you put the requirements into the computer and you say okay make it so no more than two road games in a row no uh thursday night previous week team playing a monday night previous week team you know just kind of clean up the inequities and uh and hit and push the button and, and hopefully the system can, the algorithm can sort out something that works. But do, do they not have the programming chops to do that? I don't know. It's, it sounds like, is, is it, there is no solution that solves those requirements be kind of an interesting math problem, right? You get like a, uh, some guys together. Can you make right. a schedule that meets those requirements? You know, no Thursday, you know, no London versus a, you know, no, no, you know, teams getting buys after London, things like that. And yeah. hopefully they could they can do it. But the Raiders,
1: haven't. I mean, and I get it. The Raiders kind of deserve what's coming to them because they're doing the uh, hold a community hostage for a new stadium thing. Uh, and they're going to uh, Vegas next year. But listen to this week, two was the last time they were in Oakland. They, they had. Yeah, two, it's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, they, the London game, there was technically a home game. That was week five. Then they had the bye week. Then two more road games at Green Bay at Houston. I mean, yeah, no, no wonder they're kind of struggling the last couple of weeks. They're super road-weary. Road uh, well,
2: they played Green Bay pretty well. That car fumbled through the end zone, and yep. then Houston was 50-50. I mean, they're, you know, they're tough. They beat the Colts. Yeah. They're, the, they're
1: not a soft team. Right, the, and the Bucks have a similar gap. Their last time in Tampa was week three against the Giants. Uh, they had the London game, where which was considered a home game, a divisional home game, by the way, too. Thanks a lot. You know, pre, you know, that could have been a big deal there against Carolina. But their next time they're at in Tampa is Week Ten. They they go, yeah. they travel at, all the way to L.A., to New Orleans, to London, to Tennessee, to Seattle. I mean, it doesn't. It's not the schedule makers' fault that they're at, at like a point, a polar end of the country. You know, down in Tampa Bay, but. Still, it just that's a lot of miles. Well, they should
2: also have in the algorithm like some sort of mileage. Yeah. You know, no more than ten thousand miles a month or something like that, you know, so
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh what are you working on for East Coast offense this week?
2: I don't know yet. I might just talk about the idea we had to uh do a net points for the wildcard teams in real football and talk mm-hmm. about the implications of that and how things would be different. And I'll probably link to my older column about the penalties and say, you know, there's a few things the NFL could do, I think, to make it better. You can't prevent injur- injuries. I think that, that that's, you know, it's part of the game, unfortunately. Basketball has injuries that suck and ruin the game. I mean, Zion Williamson's out. I mean, Ugh. baseball, Max Scherzer scratched before a World Series game. I mean, every sport, the injuries ruin it. And there's almost nothing you can do about that. Right. But I think there's things with the penalties and and then now with like incentivizing you know, not being cowardly scoring. And so the idea was basically, we talked about it a bit um, to uh, just like in fantasy leagues, like you have the eight division winners, but for the wild card teams in each conference, it would just be the team with the, be, with the best net point differential rather than, you know, records or head to head or any of that tiebreaker. It's just best net point differential. So you could be eight and eight and you're not going to win your division, but if you've won your, you know, blowouts 41 to nothing, and you've lost a lot of close games, you still get in. And every every year we're always like, oh man, that team's really good, but they they lost some close games on some fluky stuff. Well, you could still get in on points, just like in fantasy, when you you know lost some close games, but your team's really good, you deserve to be in the playoffs, and you're the team that people want to see. And then it would also change things because I mean, obviously point spreads would go up, but it would change things because. Everybody would be, you know, that punting on fourth and three. I mean, no, you need to score points. Right. You need to get your differential up. I mean, there'd be some cowardly stuff where you don't want the other team to hurt your differential, but you wouldn't just be like, okay, well, we're up seventeen. Let's just, you know, run it and play prevent, and we'll win by four. You know, or win by three as long as we get the win. No, you're gonna want to keep scoring, and then for fantasy, it would change everything because yeah. every there's no garbage time, and it would also really make all parts of the game more context neutral. So you have a lot of things where, you know, Blake Bortles will make his living on garbage time or Matt Ryan this year, but nobody's going to be letting them do that. So you always have the full brunt of the defense. You always, you always have um, the offense trying its hardest. And uh, I think we
1: just be a better game. Yeah. I mean, I, I I actually think it would make the teams better too. (laughs) I, I think that they would, learn from this a little bit. You know, the Bucks is the prime example for me this week. They're up 23-17 against Tennessee, fourth and one on the Tennessee 42, like late in the third quarter. Are you? Do you really think your 23 is going to be enough to win the game? Really? You don't want to just, like, have this guy that has 192 receiving yards go out for another pass? Or later in the game, you know, it's fourth and one again, and you, you go Peyton Barber? I mean, these teams, they don't think sometimes. I don't know, but... Maybe I and I'm not even a Bucks fan. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Yes, I am a Mike Evans owner, so I am biased in one respect. Um, and we know we don't want to be biased. Uh, you know, we saw on Twitter today can't be biased. <laughs> oh,
2: <yeah. That> guy.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I, I just I was
2: just making a little joke, but then everyone just jumps on him, and I don't really care. But it was funny because he's like he's biased. He said I'm not taking his advice. He's biased. And I said don't ever listen again. Yeah, as a, as a good call. Don't ever listen again. And that was my advice to him, which he you know, says he's not going to take, right? So I just put him in a little bind because he's not going to take my advice. But my advice is to do what he wants to do, which is not listen. So I was just making a joke. But then everybody uh, savaged him, which he deserved, you know. But it was, I just thought it was funny, like the, just so random too, you know, the kind of complaints you get sometimes are so random. Oh, I'm biased. Yeah, of course I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, you hate Sam you Darnold mean? in the Jets. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, biased. But I, I, of course I'm biased. I'm biased toward Daniel Jones. I'm a Giants fan, you know, but it's like, of course I'm biased. Right.
1: Doesn't mean you're wrong about him, but uh, yeah. And,
2: and maybe, you know, but it's like, okay, so you can assess whether my bias is distorting what I think. Right. You know, Ted Bell is biased in favor of the Patriots. You know, he can't help it. He but loves Julian Edelman. Maybe I'm biased against Julian Edelman. He thinks I'm biased against him. I think he's biased for it.
1: I think you are biased against a class of players with deceptive speed, but um, I, I could I be not, wrong about that. I have that. not. I will not. I will, I will not Consistently underrated off. Wes Welker when, during his peak. Yeah. yeah, just those guys, though. I don't, I don't underrate all the deceptively fast players. Okay. All right. I don't have any Cooper Cup. You don't have any Cooper Cup. Hmm. Yeah. Strange, weird. I don't know. All right, that's going to tie it up for today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you to Yahoo Fantasy Sports for sponsoring this podcast and for all of RotoWire's podcasts. We got Jake Latarski and Joe Bartell tomorrow. Thanks again for listening.
2: Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.